Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Inside the Firm. I am your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with our co-host, Lance Psycho. Um, and before we talk to him, I want to talk about Revit Rocket Chip. If you haven't taken a look at it, then you are being a bad listener. And you should at least entertain us. Go to RevitRocketChip.com. Check out what it is. And essentially, it is your tools to up your Revit skill, up your productions, up the responsibility of how you draw so hopefully you can increase the reward that you get. Uh, money back guaranteed within the first month. Check it out, RevitRocketChip.com. I also want you to go check out Pella Luxury. You've never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Very important. PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Last but certainly not least, with project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. RCAT.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content and designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, RCAT.com is free to use and requires no registration. So visit today and access the information you need now. That's ARCAT.com. Back to you, Al. Presents to the public, Gore. So we had a neighborhood meeting for a project that was about 75 units in Longmont. Um, and basically this was, there's a bunch of different ways to have neighborhood meetings, meaning there's a bunch of different reasons too. Yeah, um, and that was one thing I wanted to make sure that you talked about today was wh why why did this neighborhood meeting happen? Is this typical for everybody listening who, who might be never have never even heard of this concept? So sometimes if you're doing a project of let's just say any certain size, let's say there's a size threshold, you need to have a neighborhood meeting to get neighborhood uh, input on it. Uh, the reason why this was. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with this reason is that there was a concept plan for this to be accepted into uh, the city of Longmont, which uh, for it to be annexed. Um, and that was all annexed and, and it's now zoned as uh, residential mixed use, residential mixed neighborhood, I believe it is. Um, and so basically we're following those rules, but since what we're doing is different, they're making us do a new concept plan and getting that approved. Now, the reason I don't agree with that is essentially if we're following, if it's already annexed in and we're following the zoning, then why do we have to do it again? Again, this is, you know, the city just has their own logic. Um, their logic is, well, it's different from the previous concept, but it shouldn't matter. Like it's annexed in, you're following the rules. So what gives? Basically, yeah. As soon as you get into a project, if you're an architect, builder, developer, whoever's listening, 
and it, it, it involves developing a raw piece of land in yeah. a commercial capacity. You're there. Yep. You're going to have to probably go through some form of this. Yep. So we started getting comments um, and then there was a theme. So my presentation was, was actually based around that theme. And what I've learned, the biggest lesson that I've learned is the design really doesn't matter. And as an architect, this kind of crushes your soul because you think that, you know, the design and everything that you do is, is what's important. And what I mean by the design doesn't matter is that it sort of matters, meaning um, if, if, if it's pretty, it helps. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but 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 Lance, listen to this though. But that's all subjective. <laughs> the the, the main comments were about the density and traffic. And it basically all led down to traffic. And then density, why that why they're saying that is because obviously the density leads to traffic. So it honestly, it's if this was a a, a three story just plain building people would still be just upset as if this was a three-story beautiful building. Sure. Meaning like, hey, it might be nice, but they're still going to have the same complaints. They're going to still want to have it stopped. They're still going to say the same points regardless of its if it's beautiful or not. I was expecting to get hit more too, a critique uh, on, on the beauty of it, and we only got one in an email. Um, which which is, was post the meeting too. Yeah, post the meeting. And that's so interesting. It's so interesting that, that that's what you would have, that's what you were worried about. And I, I think this is this is part of the point of bringing this up is you, if you're an, largely our, our audience is a designer, designers and architects. So like think you, you would probably think about that too, first and foremost. Yes. When in reality. It, nope. It, so some people, I feel like almost complimented it or like, you know, our attempt, but I, I just expected Attempted to sure more, more criticism. So the presentation I gave then was comparing what we want to do with the surrounding neighborhood in density and in context. So giving them, Hey, 50% of this whole lot is not only not building footprint, it's actual green space, it's actual parks or landscape buffers or detention. Like 50% of the lot is, is, physical grass and plants on grass. Um, 55% of its frontage is open for views where the neighborhood, a lot of them, you know, if you have a 50 foot lot, you might have a 40 foot building and five foot on each side. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I came in. And then, and then I talked about the architecture and how the form, even though it's different, it's, uh, multifamily, how we took cues from the neighborhood to inform the form. Um, but my, my, my computer died there. Um, <laughs> Why? Any, <laughs> Keep going. Anyways, what they like, I, I guess, I guess essentially um, what I'm saying is that everything, everything I did was to kind of, oh, to, to kind of go towards that it fits within the context. Yeah. And people said it didn't fix in because it was more dense and because it was multifamily. And one point as opposed to a sing because it's it's within single family. That's yep. the point. And this neighborhood is by downtown. It's not out in suburbia, even though you it's could a lot walk of, to downtown. Yep, it's walkable. And there is golf courses, there is schools, there is things like that. And the point that I might make later is that actually, great neighborhoods do have a mix 
a variety. Like this is kind of planning 101. Hey, I keep hearing this phrase, strength through diversity. Just just, just saying. Yep. Diversity uh, is our strength. That's yeah. what I keep hearing over and over again. Yep. <laughs> and, and while my single family neighborhood doesn't have multifamily, it has parks, it has a library, it has all this other stuff. And you could, you could almost make the argument, here's what's funny. No one makes the argument that those don't fit within the context. Mm-hmm. But multifamily doesn't fit within the context. And then I think it should then be narrowed. Okay. It, it's not about the context. It's just about the traffic. Yeah. Can we just like really reduce it to the traffic? And there were some contradictory things I thought in there. Statements like this is a very peaceful neighborhood, but then also there's too much traffic. Um, so it's, it's hard to have too much traffic and also be very peaceful and quiet too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just think they don't want more traffic, which people don't want change. Yep. End of story. Don't want, people they, don't want change. End of story. My yeah. question to you. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about the way I laid out the presentations, pros or cons? And then the developer actually responded and, and I wanted to respond, but I realized that if I wanted to respond, there's other people pent up that wanted to respond. So I let the city go and the developer go. What did you think of, of Okay, theirs? and everybody obviously knows my lens. My lens is I'm the, <laughs> the business partner, um, which doesn't mean I'm not going to be critical to Al. Sure. But, uh, and then also I am pro-development, pro-human, and all, all of those things. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit different. But if I wish, the most objective thing I could say is, honestly, some of the graphics I thought could have been a little more punchy. And I don't mean pretty. I just mean I was looking at them from the first time. I really was, especially when you talked about when you showed. Uh, so the way he started out is, be, and and again, his back to his prep was getting all these emails from the public. They were getting forwarded on to Al, so he already kind of was pretty well primed for all of the concerns coming up. And one of them was the density, and so he had these slides up that had uh, that showed that over three quarters of the site was essentially open space. 50% of it, like he said, was literally green space. And then the, and then, um, the, the last quarter was only the building footprint. I just thought you could have made it really clear. I, I, I can see that now. Because- and it, I was just like, ah, and, and I, so here's the compliment Al. I thought he was better at graphics than me. Here's the slam. He's not. <laughs> nice. I can already see. Apparently. How- I think I'm going to slightly reorder and do three quarters, half a quarter. And literally then on have the images on one side and the other side have three quarters is this. Half yes. is this. That's all it was. Quarter That's is all it this. was. It was literally if you could have just said three quarters is this. Here's a red. See that red on the, on the site plan? That's all. It yep. was just, I knew it because I'm, uh, uh, because I understand. Used to looking at drawings. And, and I know the project generally speaking, right? Um, so that, that was the first one. Uh, so for anybody's listening, just, just, you should have, uh, your, your business wife or husband, which would, which would have been me or your actual wife or husband or partner, literally look at it and see, oh, I showed you once and, and so give, this is on you. This is actually your, but fault. I only glanced. Yeah. No, no. I see? only glanced. You shouldn't have just glanced. I know, you but he really should have said, he should have, Al should have said, I need you to look at this. I, can I just do a mock presentation? Gosh, yeah, we. That's on me. Exactly. Okay, back up. So that that was it. <clears throat> Al Al did a good job. Um, 
and like it's always easy to be super critical to the people that are doing the initial presentation whether it's like a land planner too and then get get ticky tacky with that and though and then even and then remember like when you go in to give these presentations it's going to be hard for you to to no matter no matter what you do because there's so much emotion involved because what you're dealing with is you're dealing with the general public that feels like you are literally invading their space and in a sense you sort of are by adjacency like people there were some folks at the neighborhood that had their they, literally their backyard is this lot and my wife was like my wife was watching and she was like they would say stuff and she'd go ooh that's kind of a good point actually she's like imagine imagine if so the neighborhood i live in all the all the houses are in a circle and then in the middle of our circle we have this open space that it will never be developed in theory knock on wood yeah it's dedicated open space in boulder county like that's a sacred thing and i go dang it would be like if they put 71 townhomes right in the middle of our open space that we we literally can look at the mannings our neighbors straight from my office every day i was like that i get the feeling i get that feeling here here's the difference the difference is when you bought that we knew it was open space yeah we knew it was all going to be open space also when the people also bought that with undeveloped land that wasn't open space like you should know that it's not you know what i mean like literally the the neighborhood like that was the selling point yes No, no one told those people that were buying that this was open space yeah totally totally different so I, I get your analogy, but totally different. And I'm glad. I think that was perfect to clarify it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is one of the points. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, uh, just give some reaction to it. Okay. So Al went through all of that. He tried his best, and at the end of the day, there were still people that were that were just not happy with all of this, and they brought up all kinds of information. They so like again, just to kind of prep everybody for like what what kind of other questions could you expect? There were literally some questions that I was just like, huh, that's like that's actually not a bad. Con- Your concern is not bad. It's just I don't know if there's a pipeline for it to be heard and then implemented and all of that. And one of them was like, what's just, I'm in, one guy was like, I'm in charge of the HOA at this other place and blah, blah, blah. And there's all these things. And he's like, what is this HOA going to do? And here's where I'm going with this is, is that then the developer gave his response and he was so calm, cool, collected, reassuring, politely educational to everybody about what he does, how they do it, why they do it. Mm. One of the best parts that he did, it, it, what that he did is, so he tried to address as many of the comments as he could in his, in his maybe 15, 15 minute sort of long form discuss, you know, talk back to the folks. Yeah, about re- that. Re- response. Yeah, his response. And uh, one of them was like, for instance, was to the guy who brought up the HOA. And so, if people, if other people are listening and they have, you might even be an architect and just bring this up to the developer. But the developer was like here's here's the email if you guys want to email us at any time yeah and so he facilitated a pipeline and i'm I'm like i hope people do email him great and he even brought he even said like yeah we're happy to take your opinions on on all of these things uh reassured them with all the traffic concerns that like we're gonna have to put in speed bumps we're gonna do by law what they say like we can't just not we can't break the law and uh it specifically with the hoa these are good ideas. Why not implement them? Why not make it so they, you, if you buy a property here that we're developing, a single, you know, basically a townhome, you can't, 
park on the street. No problem. You'll get a yeah. fine, whatever. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up in that, that regard specifically. But yeah. that was phenomenal. So there was sort of this bookend is the way I would describe it as like Al kind of presented all of this information, tried his best to preemptively address some of their concerns. Yep. And then the bookend was the developer. And that's truly the way to do this because <clears throat> this is this is important. The last development, the big, big development, the biggest project F9 would have ever done died this last year. We got it last spring. And uh, I think one of the reasons why it died is there wasn't the bookend. I'm just kind of coming to this conclusion right now in real time on air. Yeah. Because there was somebody like Al. It was, in this case, it was a land planner. She did a phenomenal job. And then she had like an assistant and everything. They did. Their presentation was stellar. It was so good. It tried to pre preemptively eliminate or address all these problems. But guess who didn't finish the bookend? The developer. Yeah. He just hid behind the people he hired. And people in the community for this development that Al is talking, that is bringing up and had to present, they, one guy even called me on uh, Labor Day. I told Al about this. I go, hey, I just got a call. I just had a four, 13 minute call with a guy from the general public. I, I don't know why I answered my phone, but I did. And he was like, he just was very adamant about who are these people developing this? He's like, I could look up you guys. He's like, he was, he was actually even reassured by us because he's like, you guys are literally Longmont's only, only firm pretty yeah. much. You have stellar ratings online. seems like you guys do great work. I like that they hired somebody local. Who's the dang developer? Like we don't know what they've done. And that's the difference between the approaches to these public meetings now. So that's interesting because we are trying to do the, the best we can with this development. But to the neighbor's concerns who have concerns that need to be addressed, and they can only be addressed so far. I mean, we live in reality, but who's going to re reassure them? We could try, but the developer who's actually going to implement this needs to hear this, yeah. which they did, needs to start to address them and, 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 and move in the, the major concerns that are happening. Um, so it, it's not going to be perfect. It can't be perfect. You can't please everyone. You just can't. Um, so, but like you said, Hey, the, the guy in charge in this case needs to be like, Hey, I heard you and we're going to start to make steps in, in that. And direction. you know what you if, think about it, this from a, from now your own business perspective and your own business lens. I didn't even thought about this either. What if part of your interview process with a new developer that maybe you've never worked with before is asking them that very pointed question about, um, hey, I want to know, will you be at the public hearing meeting bookending our conversation with the public? And if they aren't, I'm here to tell you, I like in my world, I think that's partly read why the reason why it died. Because yeah. especially up in that area where this development, this is separate from Longmont, just to clarify everybody, this is separate from Longmont, it's literally like an hour away where this other development was is the, the politics even over out in that area even more vastly different it's a much more conservative area and speaking as somebody who re leans right like you feel even maybe more invaded and so for not having for to not be able to see behind the curtain of oz about who's actually developing it yeah. probably set people on their heels even more than that so Maybe if you are entertaining a new developer, that's one of the questions you want to have teed up for them and make a decision based on that. 
because it could end up in a ton of work that you planned staff around and built your office around dying. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. Cool. Other than that, it was pretty funny to watch the whole thing. It was just because you just get these wacky comments and things you're not expecting. Sure. <laughs> Okay, uh, there's a buzzword that's been floating around that I wanted to bring up um, to everybody. And uh, I think that F9 has been quiet quitters before it was even cool. And uh, this was published, uh, an article published about eight days ago, but it's been all over social media. Like if you just went to Twitter and typed in quiet quitting or quitters, you would you would, you would would see all kinds of, uh, it's probably even trending, right? Yeah. So I don't even know if Al knows about this. I thought it was something different than what it was. Perfect. I, perfect. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. So from the article, uh, this is from techtarget.com, Quiet, uh, and it's titled, Quiet Quitting Explained Everything You Need to Know. Uh, quiet quitting is the latest workplace buzzword. Although it sounds like a reference to someone resigning from their position, it describes a rebellion against the hustle culture of going above and beyond what a job requires. The COVID-19 pandemic not only disrupted everyone's lives with restrictions, and a lockdown of public gatherings. It also made some people rethink their career choices. During what's known as the Great Resignation, 71.6 million people left their jobs from April 2021 to 2022. Blah, 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 blah. So what is quiet quitting? Quiet quitting doesn't mean an employee has left their job, but rather has limited their tasks to do strictly within their job restriction to avoid working long hours. They want to do the bare minimum to get the job done. And, cl- and set clear boundaries to work to improve work-life balance. Alex, looks like you want to jump in here. This is why I was confused. I thought it was what you've heard in sc- some big school districts is that a, a teacher will literally not do their job whatsoever, but let's they're protected, let's say, by the union, so they just get shuffled into some big building and they don't do anything. So, like, literally you are not doing your job, thus you're quietly quitting doing your job. I think this should be a d- different term. It's not. It's, it's a bad it's, term. It's don't you agree? Setting boundaries. The only thing that's kind of different is there's there's you can set the boundaries, right? Meaning like, hey, I'm going to work from here here. I'm going to do my duties, blah blah, blah and I'm going to do them to to the best of my b- abilities during that. This says is they w- want to do the bare minimum to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Like that's a okay. So maybe you are quietly quitting because like the bare minimum. And here's why the problem with the bare minimum is, is because you can't, if you, if you described everything that you needed to do for expectations, all of a sudden you would just be micromanaging someone, right? So you have to give them a baseline that then, you know, like here's your baseline and normal employers won't give a top set. They'll let you go to your heart's desire. Right. And that's what they're doing is giving a top set. Yeah. But he, <laughs> That's where like, okay, there's a baseline and a, and, and, and a top set and you're setting your top set to a reasonable thing. That to me doesn't necessarily mean you should only do the bare minimum, but that's, that's just coming from honestly, not, not just from an employer, but from, from an employee in, in getting work. Like, do you want to be the person not laid off? Do you want to be the person that gets the promotion? Like maybe you don't and that's fine. Yeah. 
So the reason why I didn't actually the title of this episode now is uh, we were quiet quitters before it was cool <laughs> is and so but later on and I'll kind of explain my thoughts behind that title is uh, but later on the article goes how can businesses help employees uh, the best way to prevent disengagement is to improve the employee experience talk to employees gather their feedback and discuss what can be done to make them feel appreciated. It may be as simple as regular words of encouragement. Next, make sure the workloads are realistic and that there are appropriate boundaries, Al, like you said, to maintain a work-life balance. It is important to check in with employees and make sure these boundaries are clear. Uh, help employees manage stress and be sure to put a mental mental health as a top <clears throat> priority. Businesses should encourage employees to look after their well-being through digital wellness awareness or regular check-ins that aren't as formal. Businesses need to set work boundaries and respect those boundaries to create a positive work culture. Uh, talk to employees about career paths and find ways to help them reach their ultimate goals with clear, actionable tasks. There will be no change in quiet quitting if companies don't help employees feel valued and learn how to manage uh, realistic expectations. So, um, yeah. So <clears throat> basically, then there's the opposite of this, which oh, is interesting. I didn't even know this was a thing. Quiet firing. Just like quiet quitting, quiet firing uh, that has been going on for years and addresses the other sides of employer-employee relationship. Quiet firing refers to managers making a job miserable or tra- treating yeah. an employee badly. This way, the person quits instead of being fired. Examples of how an employer may treat an employee uh, during fire during quiet firing include no raises, small raises, limited time off, increase in workload but no increase in pay, demand for an employee to work after hours, reduced hours, micromanaging, not involving or leaving the employee out of the loop, failure to meet with the employee, lack of respect, and low pay um so the the, some of the ways i think we've done this successfully at our firm is um uh to 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 uh, basically facilitate the boundaries that's the biggest part like i'm not sure it's about quiet quitting it's we do a strict 40 hour week the only people that should be working more than 40 hours a week should be me or alex um and that's if we are and we and the only reason we should be doing that uh, or that might might be doing that is if we have managed our time poorly, but we we should try to strive for forty hours or less. Uh, we allow folks to do work from home Wednesdays; they're a little bit more flexible. We stress. Um, we did an episode a couple months back about burnout, how to handle that with with, with folks at the firm. Yeah. And then um, client uh, client communication. So watching and making sure that clients aren't emailing, texting, calling employees before hours after hours interrupting all of their work like that just not their work but their life their lives that's why i think we have we have done some of those things mm-hmm. already so very important for you right especially if these, these buzzwords just keep coming up if you have employees are your biggest you're one of your biggest resources they need to take care of so be aware of all that awesome i think we should bring people down yeah. for are you jeopardy let's do it Everyone yep, ready? Yep. Question numero uno. What chapter in the IBC would you look at to determine what fire protection system you need? Okay. IBC, what chapter? Is it chapter nine? A, chapter nine. B, chapter four. C, chapter 11. Or D, chapter 13. And I could read those off, but I forgot to bring off. I'm not afterwards. I forgot to bring down the IBC. All 
I want to see if the architects know that. A, 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 chapter nine. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> what? Um, I think I didn't put chapter seven because it has something to do with it, but it's about the the actual like systems like itself. Yep. Uh, question two. What chapter in the IRC would you look at to determine the fire sprinkler system requirements? These come with chapter names. Is it A, chapter 29, water supply and distribution? B, chapter 27, general plumbing requirements? C, chapter 3, building planning? Or D, chapter 2, administration and enforcement? Mark, can you... Yeah, we'll be done in just a second. Okay, go ahead, Al. Okay, what do we have? Okay. A, A, C. It is chapter 29, which is A, water supply and distribution. Why they do not have something different than that. I'm serious. I looked into it. Chapter 29, water supply and distribution. And even in chapter three, it says, if you have a fire sprinkler uh, system, according to chapter not 29. So it's referencing that. Yep. Okay, on to me? Yep. Great. My questions are awesome. When does water contract? A, when it freezes. B, when it's hot. C, when it's lukewarm. D, when it comes into contact with oil. Reeves, you give me you give that look. Don't give the look. You know the answer. No. Freezes, hot, lukewarm oil. Four, three, two. Uh, okay, what do we got? A, C. The correct answer is B. When it's hot. Why would you choose lukewarm? Instead of <laughs> yep. When it's hot, ah. it, it contracts. Right. Ice no. expands. Oh. Oh, that's how I but, read that. Oh. Yeah. But if it gets too hot, then it boils, which then turns to gas. But I guess he said water, not gas. Know your states. Still, ARE question. <laughs> Licensure depends on it. Number four, when plywood is used in wood construction to create diaphragm, special attention is paid to what? A, thickness of plywood. B, grade of plywood. C, nailing patterns. D, type of plywood. Great. <laughs> I figured you would have just be like, boom, done. Answer. <laughs> when plywood is used in wood construction to create diaphragms, special attention is paid to what? Thickness of plywood, grade of plywood, nailing patterns, type of plywood. What'd you do? D, A, Gresh, what do you got? C, Gresh is correct. Gresh is a licensed C. architect, nailing patterns. What do you have? How many uh, nailing patterns? How many? Oh, yeah. I think one or two. <laughs> Jason knows he has two. Jason is the winner. And if we could pick something up north so we're close to the construction guys, that would be awesome. Okay. Just something up here on this side of town, please. 
Okay. I'm sorry. About it. I'm sorry to be a dictator, but yeah. And take us out. Okay. If you like this episode, you know what to do. Leave us a positive comment. Subscribe. Share with your mom. We'll see you next week.